1: It's interview time again with trainer, acupuncturist, martial artist, and kettlebell master Dr. Mark Chang as we focus on the amazing way 20 years can fly past, never confusing enthusiasm with intelligence, what puts Dr. Chang's taint in a fucking twist, and how much spin, velocity, height, and force he could drop someone into the ground with. All to spread the word that corporations are not people. I'm redeemers. And my partner in crime, Daniele Bellali, the savage philosopher, the middle finger of the gods. Bury your treasure, put your kids to bed, and most importantly, hide your women. The Drunken Towers Podcast begins now. <laughs>
2: Welcome back everybody, it's episode 37 with Dr. Mark
0: Chang, yeah! You have a career, man The voice of an angel
2: If if not the voice At least jingles, man I write a jingle for anything Nice Just got back from the lady With the Indian food Damn, wasn't it good Didn't realize she was so hateful
0: To her neighbors Yeah It's a good jingle Um, uh, But don't take Because otherwise The Indian lady's gonna poison us Next time
2: I don't know I may not go back Let's not... I'm at an impasse, man.
0: Well, let's... The, f- the foundation
2: of which i based the past 19 months of my life has been tossed asunder.
0: That's very, very sad. Do you want to share with our no. poor listeners? No? i got
2: to put it together myself first.
0: Okay. We'll let you be grumpy in a corner. Well,
2: then. i got to... St- perhaps maybe there was a, a language
0: barrier. That's a chance. My but... Hindi isn't what it used to be. <laughs> I see how that could uh, screw things up a bit. By the way, I got a Twitter not too long ago. A Twitter message from somebody was saying, "It's midnight. I'm driving through the mountains of Western India and listening to the Drunken Taoist episode." I was very pleased.
2: That's awesome. You know, I've, I've heard many people mention um, taking these motorcycle rides up through the Himalayas, and you end up and it's like a journey that not everyone may make no. it, and two thousand foot drops off of icy mountainous roads. But
0: yeah, it sounds kind of fun. Indeed, and for those of you guys who are taking us along for the ride, we thank you deeply. Yeah, watch out to the left there. That's a big crevice. Now let's start up with. Um, well, first off, before we start on our glorious episode 37, I want to start with the receiver's appreciation moment of the day. Oh, because without the man's crazy commitment of time and energy, none of this would happen. So, thank you, master. We deeply appreciate it. I think we were just saying earlier, and, and
2: tell us toss a little of that thanks back to Mr. Joe Rogan, because uh, if he hadn't had you on his show, none of this ever would have come to be, so the That's... podfather strikes again. But thank you very much, man. I, I had a blast. It's a year and a half already of steadily delivered uh, clips for our friends out there, and mm-hmm. I hope everybody's enjoying it, and I think you all are getting the message, so... As I say with uh, most everyone, keep
0: spreading the word. Good stuff. Absolutely. Those of you guys writing reviews on iTunes, telling your friends, all of that stuff, we thank you so, so much for that. Now, let's get a ball rolling. So, the Drunken Taoist podcast brought to you by Ooh. Datsusara, on it and short design t-shirts. Datsusara.
2: Micro ninjas, baby. What else can be said? And I got a, you know update on the spider. I didn't find spider corpses.
0: No, so. but I did
2: find legs tossed asunder limb from limb. Mm. I think the, the ninjas don't mess around, they leave a message. Yeah. They took the spider, they removed all its legs,
0: but left it alive. For those of you guys who have no idea what he's talking about, at the end of last episode, I saw this gigantic spider make its way inside the rich Datsusara bag, and we're wondering what would come out of it. And apparently, the ninjas that are. The amp ninjas that are part of the fabric that kills all the germs that touch the bag have met another victim and decided to set an example for future bugs.
2: Yeah, they know. They know what's coming. Yes.
0: So that's a Sarah awesome, brilliant bags, gear, everything handmade. The man has it. And by the way, on that note, I've seen uh, our good friend Chris O'Dell is quite pissed off because there are apparently quite a few companies out there who claim to be hemp uh, driven that they make everything made of hemp except they don't what? and they use some nasty chemicals in the process just uh. because they figure out that there's money to be made in hemp so he's cranky so yeah when you guys look for hemp gear check that it really is hemp that's usara we know it is so we like them for that that's a big plus plus. and you can still get it on an airplane yes it helps quite a bit <laughs> on it o-n-n-i-t dot com uh Maybe man on alpha
2: brain right now
0: you know i've just officially become an addict i've um there's something that Aubrey sent me like like good pushers who let you try for free that you are hooked forever the money's on the comeback he gave me this um hemp protein that they have is like this chocolatey mixture which i expected oh it's gonna be crazy high sugar no it wasn't it's totally healthy from that point of view great source of hemp protein First time I tried, I'm like, eh, I mean, it's good for me. I can tell, but I don't like the taste. By the second time, I'm like, I don't mind the taste. By the third time, I freaking crave it now. And I don't know what it is about it, because I have not studied the science, so don't quote me on it. But it does give me a boost of energy that lasts me through the day. Like, by 2 p.m., 3 p.m., I'm like, my energy is beginning to crash. I down it, and I last through the rest of the day.
2: Now, when you say hemp protein i think of those guys that used to have those giant canister two gallon canisters of hemp shit
0: or not, of protein powder at the gym no this stuff is they put hemp seeds inside this mixture so you are you see them you feel them you chew them there's a ton of hemp seeds that you're eating in the process and uh, mix through some divine alchemical formula that make it feel good going down taste good give me energy so again this is I don't say it for everything because, you know, I'm sure there's some on it stuff that I'll try and I'll be like, eh, not for me. So if I tell you it's not because it's our sponsor, it is because it's our sponsor, but also because this one really I like so freaking much. So I'm actually waiting for my next shipment. I'm running out and I'm beginning to get edgy. So if by next time you hear me say horrible things about Hobre is because my M protein is taking too long to get here (laughs) and I need it now. In any case. Onit.com, And as usual, with that, Sarah on it, everything else, there are uh, discount codes in the episode notes, so look for them. If you're buying products from them, please use our link. Sure Design with the greatest t-shirts on the planet. And speaking of t-shirts, he just made some for us. Well, we haven't actually made them yet. We will have them probably in a month or so. We're still taking pre-orders. So those of you guys who want to check out the wildest, craziest t-shirts, I mean, you thought our first shirt was strange? Well, wait till you see the second. And because you guys have protested, quite a few of you guys, because we had a not included in our very long list of characters who are part of the t-shirt, the orgasm County in Nome. Do not despair. Bennett decided to let us modify the shirt so that we could throw in the the gnome in there.
2: Only because such an important person had
0: been left out. Yeah. This wasn't done without, like, a lot of thought. No, it needs to be. So, yes, there will be that. So I'll put that a link in the episode notes as well for pre-order forms. You guys can pick color, size, whatever. And um, any question, you can always contact me if something doesn't make sense. What else do I want to throw out there? Uh, Shall so we just just rolling with Mr. Mark Chang, good Doctor. friend of mine. Yeah, Dr. Mark Chang, that's right. Long, lifelong martial artist, practitioner of Chinese medicine, practitioner of non-Chinese medicine, practitioner of um, some Star Trek man He knows, you know, the man is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to breaking the body, fixing the body, doing all sorts of things to the body. Really nice guy. We've been friends for a really long time, which puzzles me considering that we're both extremely young guy in our prime vigor. And I don't know how it's possible that it's been many, many years, but somehow, I don't know, Matt is cheating us. In any case. I like that he had the
2: kind of Fu Manchu thing starting already. In another 20 years, man, that's going to be pretty epic. Brilliant.
0: Absolutely. So without further ado, Mark Chang. Mr. Mark Cheng, you're with us, straight from a plane and from LAX to the studio in about 0.2 seconds. Very welcome. Glad to be here, Professor. <laughs> Professor, that's right. <laughs> cool, man. So, what have you been up to in this, uh, in on this trip? Just running around like a Chinaman with a burning rickshaw. That sounds like fun. <laughs>
3: it's been intense um yeah I just got back from Canada like we were talking earlier
0: sorry those of you guys who are beginning to scream racism you guys are not seeing him but he's the genuine article he's not making fun of some other people <laughs> <laughs>
3: For sure. Um, so yeah, as we were saying earlier, I just got back from Canada on Monday, um, where I was working on a, on a project uh, for physical therapy related stuff. Uh, and then just Friday, I, I took a quick trip up to San Francisco to hear my mentor, Gray Cook, um, who's a, definitely a legend in the sports performance and physical therapy world, um, speak w- along with Dr. Stu McGill, um, who's one of the world's top spinal biomechanists. Um, so the two of them were getting together to powwow on uh, some ideas for better training, better diagnostics, things like that, um, and better practices for the for the medical field in general. Um, so I got to hear them speak um, all day yesterday and just got back this morning.
0: Serious science, man. There's what? some serious science going on. Tell for those of you who haven't how long have I known you now? Long I, I was thinking it's been, it's
3: almost. Actually, not almost. It's 20 years. Jesus. Wow. wow. That's always a surprise when that chunk drops out and 20 years have gone by. Dude, like, they're times... old. <laughs> there but are times nuts. when I look in the mirror and I see the gray and go, oh, shit, really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow, 20 years. That's a lot. But uh, yeah, for those of you who haven't known you for 20 years, um, your background is so. Varied to say the least, and so many different things that you have dedicated yourself to, got good at, and all of it. If you want to give, you know, little tidbits of what it is that you're about, in terms at least of your curriculum, if not heart and soul, um, what are the highlights?
3: Um, <clears throat> probably the real highlights are me just getting to learn from great people. Mm-hmm. Um, my true love is and always has been martial arts. Um, I've been fortunate enough, um, I, I was lucky enough to start a little bit with my father when I was a kid, um, but then when I moved out to L.A. Um, for college, um, I was fortunate enough to study with some greats like um, Shotokan Master Tsutomu Oshima, um, Daniel Lee, who was one of Bruce Lee's students, who was one of my taiji teachers, um, uh, and now I'm fortunate enough to study with Master David Lin in Sua Jiao which is a Chinese wrestling art. Right. Um, focused on throws, um, but also incorporates kicking and punching. Uh, Guru Dan Inosano, who's a legend, uh, his name needs no explanation. Yeah, of course. uh, um, Martial arts has has always been my thing, and then martial arts turned into a segue into training um, with kettlebells and strength training um, because Guru Inosano introduced me to Pavel Tsitsulin. Uh Um, So for those of you who are new to strength training or um, grappling or things like that, or CrossFit, Pavel is uh, a legend in the sense that he's the guy that brought kettlebell training or Soviet-style strength training out into the open here in the West. Um, before him, the last time kettlebells were even remotely popular were, was back in the, the days of the original Muscle Beach, so back in the black and right. white days. Um, and Pavel is pretty much the guy who spearheaded the kettlebell revolution um, for, for the fitness industry. Pavel then in turn introduced me to a gentleman named Gray Cook. Um, Gray is probably one of the most forward thinking people in uh, the physical therapy world. Um, and part of what makes him so forward thinking is that he's not, he's not married to classical training. He's very open-minded to ways of how to improve standard operating procedure. Um, so while there might be some doctors who are great and some doctors who are not so great, even though they may have come from the same school, he's the guy that's trying to, trying to take pain management or pain medicine um, and, or sports performance practices or sports medicine and lay out, here's the checklist that you go through. You know, like every pilot, when they get behind the, when they get behind the cockpit, they're going, going down a checklist of right. things they need to do. He's trying to establish that for, for the medical field as well, which is freaking awesome. Um, so, Gray was, Gray was and is the guy that single-handedly turned my, my understanding of medicine on its ear. Um, and as far as medicine goes, um, my um, doctorate is in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a licensed acupuncturist in the state of California, um, and I consult around the world. I've been fortunate enough to consult around the world um, on a bunch of different cases with a bunch of different people, athletes, teams, um, and groups.
0: So the human body, 360 degrees, basically, you're just, you're approaching it from how to break it, to how to fix it, to how to make it function properly, to the whole full range.
3: You know, really, the, I think the truth of the situation is that if you really want to understand the human body, you've got to know what breaks it. Yeah. You've got to know all of the things that make it feel good and make it feel like shit of course um and the interesting thing is is that's the same mentality for martial arts right you've got to know you know like if you want to learn defense against let's say a, a knife right or defense against a grappler you've got to know how to grapple you've got to know the attacks that they're going to use yeah. so you can figure out what's your most logical line of defense
0: yeah so in that sense is uh the gift that keep on giving because everything you study prompts you to study two more things and then you study more stuff and you're constantly expanding his range of knowledge because there's always it's tied to something else it's never just in a vacuum
3: and that's that's so perfect you hit that nail so right on the head because the more i study any one particular area whether it's strength training with pavel whether it's diagnostics and rehab with uh-huh. gray whether it's chinese medicine whether it's martial arts it always triggers an aha moment for me somewhere else in in the in the web of stuff that i love and the tough thing is that i I, there are times when i just i'm tired i'm tired of traveling i'm tired of like being dad to the two kids i'm tired of it like there's so much stuff on my plate that i just want to unplug for like a week and then someone will shoot me an email or someone will make a post on facebook or someone will say a little something or one of my mentors might shoot me a text and it just gets me so excited that i just can't i can't stop
0: right and that puts some more fuel in and ready to go yeah there we go no that sounds great absolutely did um, what else do I want to throw at you on this so now you're working on as far as your because you know your interest goes in so many different well so many different direction and not at the same time because they're all tied together to yep. some degree but obviously from a specialistic standpoint it looks like you are putting at least four different coats on if not even more um how do you how do your days slash weeks go in terms of what is they are dedicating your time and energy for in terms of personal pleasure and just training for yourself how much is it for you know what you do for a living how much you know what's the what's the balance for you right now
3: it's a tough balance and the balance is always in flux I think especially since the the arrival of of my second child uh-huh. that you know all of the things that they tell you about how two kids is not two times more work it's like Exponential. Exactly. That's, right. It's that's the perfect word for it. I, I feel like we were starting to get a good sort of balance with one, and then as soon as number two popped up, it was. I, I just, you know, you, you ever been surfing and you get sucked under into like an undertow, and you're just kind of wondering where the where's the surface? Like you just see a blur of light. Right. That's kind of where I am right now as far as trying to figure out. I'll be honest. You know, I'm. I'll for. The, I'll be the first person to throw myself under the bus.
0: Um, and the so, sale of condoms and contraceptives have just gone out thanks to this conversation. So yeah, perfect. and I'm
3: sure, I'm sure there's some guys out there that are going to hurt their rotator cuffs, uh, you know, with a little <laughs> bit of that that self love action going on. Right? But hey, more business. All good. Um, but yeah, I, I think as far as balance goes, for me, work is cool because it's it. There's I derive pleasure from the work. Sure. For me, when I get to. Uh, See results in my patients that other doctors don't get. Or when I get to see results in patients that, you know, even let's say I've been struggling with the same patients for a while and all of a sudden there's a breakthrough because I changed a paradigm in my head or, or just right. looked at something a different way or tried a different approach. It's a thrill. It's, of course, it, dude, it is such a rush. Um, it's like grappling with someone that you've been trying to figure out how to beat and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, you tap them. Right. And it, it's the feeling is magic. Um, so yeah, I mean, work is work is certainly work. You know, whether I'm working with an athlete to help them rehab or prehab them, um, whether I'm working with someone that say that's like ni- in their 90s and just been through multiple surgeries and just trying to help them manage pain, right, in a drug free situ- in a, like a drug free manner without having to get them, you know, on you know, on pain medications and stuff like that. These are the things that that I do professionally, and they and okay, they
0: pay the bills, which is great. Um, By the way, how? Oh, so it's a combination of you know, structural things with you still working on acupuncture as well and uh, herbs and the whole deal? Or is it primarily a structural movement kind of thing and rehabbing in terms of exercises like that?
3: Great question. Um, so from a Chinese medicine perspective, because Chinese medicine stands on three legs, uh-huh. right? And for those of you that aren't really familiar with Chinese medicine as practiced here in California, the main three legs um, that Chinese medicine stands on are acupuncture. Herbology, Chinese medicine in terms of herbs, um, and then manual medicine, tuina. Right. Um, the big focus in most of the acupuncture institutions here, as far as teaching, is on acupuncture and herbal medicine, um, as well as some Western diagnostics as well. Um, but my specialty is the manual medicine, tuina, um, And that's my niche, I'd right. say. Um, but in addition to that niche, rather than just focusing on passive care, meaning uh-huh. like you're hurting, so come to me, I'll, I'll treat you, make you feel better, and then off you go. Right. I also give homework. So mm-hmm. um, now that we've got better ranges of motion when you do X, Y, and Z, now let's teach your body how to control those ranges of motion in X, Y, and Z right. so that the body doesn't slip back, back, back into old patterns so fast. Right. So you know, one of the things that you hear a lot of people talk about, a lot of patients talk about, is parking lot syndrome. Like, parking lot syndrome,
0: what the fuck? Right.
3: Regardless of what modality, regardless of what means of treatment that doctor uses, whether it's acupuncture, chiro, what have you. Like, you get treated, you feel good. Like, oh, man, you get up off the ta- treatment table, you're like,
0: oh, I feel awesome. <laughs> now I got parking lot, okay. <laughs> By the time you get to
3: the parking lot, yes. you're like, damn, my neck isn't like, oh, I need to, I need to crack that yes. again. You know, like. <laughs> so that's parking lots. Yes. You know, for me one of the things that's a stressor for me, I guess probably because I, I, while I love what I do, I hate what I do. I hate having to see people more than once, you know, like if I have to see them repeatedly over and over again, to me in my heart, I feel like, well, okay, if I was in their shoes and I had to pay all the time and, uh, you know, let me feed this stereotype. I'm Chinese. I'm a cheapskate dude. If you, if like I have to spend money on the same shit over and over and over and over again, then what am I accomplishing? Right. Similarly, like when it's my patients, I think if they have to come and see me for the same damn thing over and over and over again, what are they accomplishing? And what am I accomplishing as their physician? So in light of that, my whole mindset is like, how do I get them as good as possible in as few visits as possible, as sustainably as possible? So the answer seems to lie in when someone comes and has let's say a pain situation or a limited range of motion or an injury that you're dealing with and let's say they can only move their arm like flex their shoulder 30 degrees right if you treat them whatever your treatment method is whether it's through sure. Twayna, whether it's through Cairo, whether it's through osteop- osteopathy, osteopathy blah there we go my tongue got tied there I must need more crown royal in my bloodstream um, <laughs> so now calm it down that will indeed Um, whatever you do to treat massage therapy physical therapy whatever it is if let's say you get that person's shoulder to flex from 30 degrees to at least 90 degrees but then you just send them on their merry way and you don't give them exercises so that the brain can remap that extra 60 degrees of movement Mm -hmm. and the brain can figure out that it owns those 60 degrees of movement those extra 60 degrees you just got that patient belong to you as the physician, not to the patient. Right. Because the patient goes home and then like they the suddenly like those ninety degrees that they now had starts going back to thirty. Right. Something's wrong with that. It's like if you came over, you got a treatment, we got you from 30 degrees flexion to 90 degrees flexion, it's my job as your physician, as your primary point of, of, of medical treatment to help you figure out, to help your nervous system figure out how to own that 90 degrees. So you own it, not me.
0: That sounds ambitious, and uh, at the same time, that's exactly what medicine is supposed to be. Which is, I guess, one of the questions, in general, regarding medicine. There's the stereotype, if you want to go on somewhat cynical stereotype regarding Western medicine and Chinese medicine, the Western medicine is, these guys just push pills, to death and there's you know they're glorified drug dealers who don't really care too much about interconnectedness of the body is purely about you have this problem let me throw you some drugs and be done with it the stereotype regarding chinese medicine is ah, uh, it's some um, voodoo crap they don't know it's like She, whatever is like ah, forget it you know you get this very both of them there's an element of truth in the sense that are a bunch of charlatans in one sense there are a bunch of charlatans in the other sense and people who just plain and simple don't know what they are doing in both departments there rich were mentioning earlier uh, episode with your wife
2: well just you know i personally would rather see somebody digging through 700 of those apothecary drawers putting some crazy combination of uh, healing together than whatever Eli Lilly is kicked out that they're 24-7 trying to sell us, you know? The fact that I have to explain to my daughter what a boner pill is, you know? Because <laughs> she's watching primetime television. Apparently, if you were to land in a spaceship, nobody in this country can get their dick hard. Nobody can shit for sure and then everybody else um, has some sort of pulmonary thing because they smoked for 25 years. Right. You know, there's no real mysteries going on. but And it makes me crazy because I would trust the, the Chinese medicine a thousand times more than I'd trust this Western stuff. And the, what we were talking about earlier is my wife had a situation 10 years ago where she went with a pain in her side to her primary care physician left with no diagnosis of that, but some Prozac for her to try out, because it was obviously something menstrual that was causing the pain, and if you'll have some of these, uh, that'll fix it. Well, a year later, it's an ovarian cyst the size of an apple that had gone undiagnosed, and I don't know, I know you say you you like a blend of the both, which I, I love to hear,
0: but... Yeah, stuff like that I think makes people crazy and makes people scared. So now we are waving the rag flag in front of the bull now lift the gate He's and a nice go. Bull, though. Mark, go. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bull for good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Actually, the, I mean really the truth to me is that no one camp has all the answers. For and, sure. Right. And and the more one camp starts acting like it has all the answers, the more full of shit they are. Right. Um that, every, every mentor that I've ever trained with, every, every teacher, every professor that I thought was worth their salt has always broken it down to me and said, like, you know, don't don't buy too much into any one paradigm. Of course. You know, be open-minded to areas that, that whether it's Western or Eastern or, or, you know, Ayurveda, you know, the Indian stuff, Whether it, regardless of, of what form of medicine or diagnosis, if it's reproducible, if it's consistent, and it's logical, run with that. Like lower back pain, we were talking about it earlier before we started um, recording, but you know, lower back pain. Geez, okay, what's one of the most common things that's that's plaguing uh, our our culture, you know, America today. Lower back pain. Okay, why? What are some of the things that could feed into lower back pain? Okay, maybe you've got a, a local injury, like an impact trauma in the lower back, right? That's a contact trauma, meaning like. You threw a knee into my back while we were sparring. Sure. Okay, now that hurts. Um, maybe it's a strain, meaning like I tried to lift. Like I tried to, I tried to shoot in for a double leg. I missed it. I hurt my lower back. Maybe my quads are so tight that, that my quads and my hip flexors are actually pulling on my lumbar spine. Maybe I, maybe I have a disc bulge. From some other trauma, whether it's from jumping, regardless of what, right. who knows? Maybe my ankle is locked up, so now all of the muscles and all of the all of this all the joints up the kinetic chain on one side are compensing, compensating. Maybe it's um, a metastasis from prostate cancer. All of these things are different possibilities. So, whose job is it to figure out right. what the hell's wrong with you? It's the it's the physicians, and that's why differential diagnosis is so important. But the problem is that most doctors or most physicians or most healthcare professionals, regardless of what, what they're, whether they're an LAC, PhD, MD, DO, DC, whatever their designation is, people are trained to see what they're trained to see. And until you've seen a bunch of different things, until you've been taught, like, dude, like this fatigue could be chemical, this fatigue could be emotional, this fatigue could be structural, this fatigue could be whatever. I mean, you've got to be able to look at a single problem, and instead of going okay, fatigue—that's a disease. No, dumbass, that's a symptom. Lower back pain is a symptom, right? But for insurance purposes, like if you look at insurance coding, it's classified as as a, as a legitimate diagnosis. Oh, they have lumbago, lower back pain, <laughs> dude. Like this is this I... is one of the things that comes about because of the. I, I, in my mind i mean uh, again i'm not completely schooled on, as far as the whole history on things but i uh, my suspicion is this is this came about the situation came about because of insurance right you know we have doctors that are trained to go okay i have 15 minutes to figure out what the hell's wrong with you dude you barely can remember the person's name after 15 minutes, right? of course Like, take the time to do your to do your intake run them through let's say for example an sfma a selective functional movement assessment Put them through those seven movements. Figure out what's going on with them. Like, at least be able to point to some things that, in a neuromuscular sense, this is what's causing this – may, this may be what's causing pain. And if your treatment doesn't work, something's not right. Right. For example, the, 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 the vignette that, my, doc, that my, um, my teacher, Gray Cook, always talks about. He goes, he had a guy that had this really wicked shoulder pain. It was going on for a long, long time. Uh, came to Gray – Gray ran him through the assessment, and, and something wasn't right. Um, and so uh, he goes, "You know, this this is this something's not adding up." Turned out he was he had an he had some sort of aneurysm going on in his heart. Um, and next thing you know, he was in surgery because of that. Something's not adding up here. Knowing to refer to a specialist,
0: right? He just saved the guy's life. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah, because that's a typical thing that drives Nazis when. Uh, you go in for something and then you go back because like the diagnosis is the diagnosis is a fancy term for saying what I said when I walked in which is something hurts and you're telling me yeah that that's not telling me anything it's like why does something hurt what is that's causing that that would be the diagnosis otherwise that's not a diagnosis that's you repeating what I just thought to you which is not really helping me a whole lot and that's why I hate the term
3: arthritis too it's like arthritis what is that inflammation of the joint joint pain well no shit tell me something i don't know right like why does it hurt yeah. how did it hurt oh well you just um you're just getting old that's not acceptable right that's not an acceptable answer if you're like 85 90 95 years old um and you you pushed yourself hard every day okay yeah there's some wear and tear on the joint um, if you have had lots of injuries that were poorly maintained, or you've had a bunch of surgeries, and we're not exactly working with "quote unquote" God's anatomy anymore, right? Then okay, but you know, for the a- for let's say the average age in America, a lot of the pains that we're suffering right now, we should not be suffering, right? And there, there actually, there actually are interventions that we should be more well schooled on and know better about. Uh, that don't involve medications, that don't involve crazy, like necessarily needles or or shots or acupuncture or hard manipulations.
0: Like what? Like what are you thinking? Like what are the main uh, problems and then solutions to those problems?
3: Wow. Okay, so, you know, if you Google lower-crossed syndrome Mm -hmm. or upper-crossed syndrome, you'll find uh, papers uh, from, I believe he was Czech, um, doctor named Vladimir Yanda. Um, and Dr. Yanda talked about these as, as um, problems in our movement that come about because of, of, of our lifestyle. Right. For example, we sit a lot. And because we sit a lot rather than like having a hunter-gatherer lifestyle where you're on your feet all the time and yep. moving around all the time, because of that, the muscles in the back of the body get long and mm-hmm. weak the muscles in the front of the body get short and tight. So when we then try and stand up, like imagine if you've been and I'm sure almost all of you guys that are listening have had this at some point in your life, in your life or another where you go to you go to stand up or go to walk after sitting for a long time and it takes you a few steps before you can actually stand and walk totally upright. You know what I mean? Like the first couple steps you're walking like you're you know, you're, someone should really hand you a cane or something, right?
2: <laughs> I just refer to that as going through my evolutionary steps as I finally straighten up. Be you know, by the third step, you're
3: actually homo sapien by then. <laughs> there you go, the evolution of rich. We're going to make that into a, into a hoodie. Hey. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, I am just imagining how awesome that would be. That would be dope. I would buy one what you said about insurance has me so riled up now that i haven't been before but it's the truth man it's somewhere along the way the hippocratic oath got kicked to the side and I don't blame the doctors for it for the most part um because that's not where all that research and development money is going into this vacuous hole that, that they feel like isn't deserved but somewhere along the way the healers stopped being the healers just to heal and it seems like everything turned to shit right after it it's got to it got to be depressing I mean, how does how does somebody who works in the medical field look towards somebody who is purely a plastic surgeon just for folks that want to improve their looks? Not you know somebody with a horrific
3: cleft palate or somebody. I mean, dude, that's tough. That's I mean, that's a really tough question because there are some guys that I know, like there there are doctors that I've dealt with who who have great practices in let's say Beverly Hills or, or you know places like that. Right. They cater to the rich and shameless, and then they'll spend like two weekends out of the month in some third world country. See,
2: to- and that's exactly what you hope for, right. but that's not I'm, – I'm sure there's plenty of cats driving Bentleys around that aren't going down to Peru to help people out either. Right, right. So, you know, those guys obviously are doing it the right way. But I think people get kind of turned off to it, man. I, I wish for the day when your doctor was your friend that would come by with his black bag, hopefully once every six months to make sure everybody was okay. And we've so lost touch with that, that people are so freaked out, that like a serious injury, I know, my poor wife again, but she hurt her back recently. And if she didn't have insurance, she wouldn't have gone to a doctor and she had a broken rib. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people in this country that are in that situation now that it's almost terrifying. The fact that Doctors Without Borders had to turn people away at, at the forum a couple of years back because there was too many people desperate to get a tooth looked at, desperate to get maybe some glasses that worked. Why does my Why does my shoulder not work anymore? You know. Right. Yeah, this is America, you know. We're supposed to be the beacon of trying to get it right for the world, and it seems that the money and the greed is so gotten. I know I'm always going down this trip, and I apologize for it. But um, just to hear you say that the insurance is where the problem started, I couldn't agree with you more. I think once it got out of the hands of the people who are actually giving the care, and where now you, you know, get, everything's got to fit into a certain niche, and and got a circle to, to fill out on a
3: form, or else you can't even be, you know, taken care of. That's got to make you guys crazy, you know it's actually insurance is one of those things that can be such a, a time consuming pain in the ass uh, from the standpoint of the medical professional I mean like sure. it certainly is from the standpoint of the general public I mean I know for myself with the Affordable Care Act you know trying to trying to get enrolled and get coverage is, is you know on the user end has been a pain in the ass and and I understand that I mean I understand that there's 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 going to be hassles with that but um, Man, I mean, like on, on the end of the doctors, insurance asks you like, okay, well, what do you diagnose them with? Oh, well, when you, and let's say you check off something like uh, a different diagnosis other than what they happen to pay for. Then, then, they, then they return your your thing and say like, no, no, we're not going to pay for that. <sighs> or we're going to pay less for that. But We pay a lot for lower back pain. Lower back pain doesn't tell you shit. You know, really, what's the diagnosis? You're telling me you're telling me that I can only diagnose that this person has these symptoms. Is that what you're saying? So, right. In, in that sense, it's really frustrating. Um, and if you don't want to play the game the, the way insurance wants you to play the game, it can be very, very frustrating. I, I can tell you, for me personally, um, it got to the point where in my own private practice, um, I I just I just told people straight up, like, I'm I'm going to give you the best care I can possibly give you. Um, but I'm not going to deal around, deal with insurance in any way, shape, or form anymore because it's just like I'm tired of playing the games where your insurance company calls me or your insurance company faxes me or your insurance company emails me or, or mails me all these letters or mails me all this stuff and tells me even, like, I've, be, I've even gotten messages from uh, insurance companies asking me to change my diagnosis, and that's insurance fraud. Wow. We don't pay for this, but we'll pay for that did you do but i didn't do that so what do you want me to do see that's just so yeah. criminal but <clears throat> i mean the true
2: crime is it's taking you away from from doing what you should be doing you know any any moment wasted filling out some form for some asshole who doesn't care about anything other than cutting their bottom line
3: and then taking that away from your patients that's evil yep and 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 for me it's like if i have to to spend time doing that stuff unpaid and then fight tooth and nail for, yeah. like, a, a percentage of the shit that I'd normally charge? Forget it. And right. and what's interesting is that patients of mine, even who are not, let's say, the L.A. she she foo, foo, like, I make tons of discretionary cash types, people who are regular folk, who are, you know, even college kids, have done the math and realized, like, wait a minute, the amount of time that I'd have to spend with missed classes plus... Trying to get my notes plus doctor visits plus this and that, and th- when they do the math as far as like how much stuff they have to miss, how many work hours they have to miss um just to be able to go to to someone that accepts their insurance who may or may not get them the results versus paying like the quote unquote retail price like even they even they're trying to make appointments now, right. It's tough all the way around. And,
2: you know, don't get me wrong. I know that the malpractice insurance and that sort of is a huge part of it as well. That, uh, you know, kind of the opposite side of the coin that you have to protect yourself against that because of the litigious nature of the same assholes you were just trying to heal. So it is a real conundrum. I just don't want that to be left out. Well, you know, the doctor's got to cover their own ass. And absolutely you do. It's just there's got to be a sweet spot in the middle where lawyers aren't getting paid. Insurance companies aren't getting paid.
3: Just the doctors are getting paid to do the healing that they—that's their calling. You—you you know the beauty of it is though that it, that I think as social media is around more and more, when people have a good experience with a doctor, they tell their friends. They yeah, put that. Right. They put that doctor like they they let people know like man you know all right certainly there are certain things that you don't broadcast like oh yeah you know i had a i got this fungus it just won't go away and i have this itch that you know uh, i went to see my doctor about that itch and uh, no but all that joking aside i mean uh, you know when people have a good experience with a doctor or with a medical facility what amazes me is how many times people will, will just, like, shout that out on, on social media. Like, you'd be on Facebook or Twitter. Like, you know, thanks to Dr. Perkins or whatever. Like, thank you for, you know, fig- helping my mom, blah, 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 blah. Like, we really appreciated X, Y, and Z. Right. So social media is an awesome force for creating that change and, and for rewarding those doctors that go yep. that extra mile. Um, and for those doctors that are, that are twits you know silence is sometimes the the your worst enemy because you know you should learn from that if if your patients are shouting you out regularly on social media engage them thank them reward them yeah you know but if if you're not noticing that or if you don't care you should care yeah
0: yeah make time so thank you dr mark chang that now i no longer need viagra for the rest of my life that's very
3: (laughs) very very sweet i can't believe i (coughs) yeah yeah, make friends with Pamela again.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I think our whole society is broken. That they 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 fed us fear for the past twenty five years, and we've believed every bit of it. You and, know what? Uh, Honestly,
3: though, I, I swear to God, it just insurance. I I like. I'm one of those guys that likes to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sure. And so, considering how many fucking people that we got to take care of, and how automated we we're trying to make the system. How t- let me rephrase that how automated we're trying to make a system that should not be automated for sure um in- insurance is doing what it can I mean it, no. the only downside is that I mean it, in doing what it can it's fucking a lot of shit up um like I think the changes that they've made recently are pretty epic I
2: mean the no pre-existing condition is unbelievable. That the is The fact tits. that they pulled that, that is wall down
3: totally tits. And let me tell you why. As as a as a as a teacher, as an instructor, as a as a, as a um, medical professional who's had patients with cancer, young patients, like fucking like one of them that dry, that just like had had me in the worst stress for the longest time. One of my patients, young mom with cancer denied coverage all over the place or just like the only coverages that she was getting offered were exorbitant and it's like dude this is a tax paying hard working good person who's like you know who's not uneducated it's
2: her time for the chips to go her way when she needs it the most
3: yeah and it's like how in the fuck can she have I mean like she can't work because she's she's gotta you know handle not only her chemo and everything else and her her, um, you know radiation treatments and everything else and then now now like you're going to charge her the, the same rates as, I mean like double the rates that you charge some some Wall Street bigwig yeah how fucked is that
2: it's criminal man that's where
3: criminal I, is the right I, word
2: as, as much as I don't because uh, as you could probably tell I'm a single pair person I think that's the way it should go I grew up in the army you didn't pay for anything. Mm-hmm. If you got sick, you took the hospital. Now, actually, they were usually hoping for something catastrophic so somebody could practice putting bones back together or mm-hmm. something that would be more battlefield. Mm-hmm. But, no, they happily did everything. Everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so when you get out to the real world and everything's not taken care of, and you see how people, like the example you just gave, <sighs> I don't know how it got this bad. Are people that greedy? I mean... It, it,
3: they, they are that greedy. And the thing is that, like, if you... This is, I, I, I need to, again, this is just speculation on my part. But from what I understand from people that saw the original Obamacare. Um,
2: the plan. The
3: plan. Nothing at all like what we got now.
2: I'm sure it was Because
3: the, from what I understand, the way the way um, a lot of Tea Party legislatures, legislators tried to like pork barrel stuff in. Like saying that, well, okay, we'll give you a little bit of that, but we want this too. Yeah, And it ends up making the situation so completely complicated. Yeah, and, it just and made a, it all worse. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what it did. It made well, it's
2: it. funny, the straight-up Romney plan, which was the basis for the Massachusetts plan, was 85% of their model. Mm-hmm. Didn't have all this shit in there. You know, it was really about, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it, man. Mm-hmm. I think... Until everybody realizes that I think medical care is a right as a citizen of this country, you know, and whatever it takes to fix you, even if it's expensive, we're all in the same boat. We until we learn to take care of each other, and I would expand it out to the whole world personally. But that's the you know commie socialist asshole that I am. No, but But until we take care of each other,
3: dude. You know what? Like people bitch about this shit all the time, and I'd love to put I'd love to put people on blast during the podcast, but at the same time too, I don't want to generate hate mail. Um, we're good at that (laughs) oh dude like fucking one of the things that drives just puts my taint in a fucking twist is logging onto Facebook and you see these memes where people go like education is a free right in Denmark so you can go all the way to college in Denmark and it's fucking free And how come we don't have that here and we're the worst country on earth dude in Denmark you fucking go try and buy a Benz in Denmark you'll pay you'll pay the equivalent in in taxes as you would on a fucking house here Including the 70% you're paying already on taxes. No shit. Up. I mean, everything is expensive over right. there. It's like you buy a pair of boots over there, it's fucking $300. Yeah. You know, like, not not like here. I mean, I mean, shit here looks... Dude, those people come over here and everything looks like... In, in, in Bel Air or Beverly Hills, it looks like it's a garage sale.
0: Right.
3: And And these are not like upper class wealthy yeah. Danes. We're talking about just like the average dude. Right. So it's like they pay out the ass for what they mm-hmm. have. So that lack of perspective, I, I think, you know, if Americans want all this shit, if we, if we want all the shit that we want, and we should want all the shit that we want, but we need to deserve it. Yes. The whole kind of opposite end of that is
2: the way Walmart and the McDonald's of the world treat their employees, where they are letting the government fill this giant gap in oh, sure. that they don't want to pay. Right. Yep. Which is great when each one of the Walmart siblings is getting $1.6 billion dollars, you know, you slice a couple hundred million off of each of them, and you could have the best paid, you know, company in the world with great benefits that people get up in the morning with a little whistle in their because they're on their way to work again. Like and fucking Costco. Where, oh, exactly. It's the, exactly. Yeah. How hard is that for people to figure out? I mean, the, we've all seen the math, or maybe just... I mean, There's just so many people that have given up and don't care anymore. But like the, the quick math when it first came out, well, you know, if, if we kept up with inflation, people would be making $14, $15 an hour, which is bad for nobody, right. especially if you own a big company because now they have more spending uh, potential. That's only going to get spent anyway. If I'm making $8 an hour or if I'm making $15 an hour, there ain't nothing left at the end of the week. You know, but that corner-cutting mentality is what's fucked us in the ass time and time and well, And that's and what time went time wrong. wrong. The whole Walmart right. concept of if it's cheaper, it must be better. And the next thing you know, we ship every factory out of here because, well, we'll pay these assholes a nickel. But now nobody's got a job. I don't know. Yeah, what that's year that's were you born in? 72. Oh, it's, we're almost exactly the same age. So we watched it go down. Yep. Reagan showed up, the deregulation began, and nobody's had a fucking raise in 20 years. Yep. Except for the 1%ers, who now have uh, one joker was saying yesterday in the San Francisco Chronicle that the one percent are being treated the way the Jews were treated by the Nazis. Oh, it's the
3: same. Exact now, if thing, he
2: right? wants that,
3: this is all I got. We I'm can do Daniele
0: Bolelli. Yeah. yeah,
2: we can probably <laughs> arrange that.
0: Right? No, that's fucking ridiculous.
2: And I don't it's think it's what it takes either. You think those kind of people with that kind of money are finally going to have to wake up? It's always Dude, I say fuck this a thousand times. Two
3: by four, really? That's such yeah, bullshit.
2: That really is the real answer. I mean. But how we can let one more person have a three hundred foot yacht when one kid goes hungry in L A? Ridiculous. We gotta get that that's the point where the teeter totter flips open and the guy on top crashes to the ground because the other side fell off. Yeah. Anyway, all right, I'm done. I'm sorry. It was all good. Fucking, it makes me so. Good. It's when the mortgage crisis went to shit in the basket. <clears throat> it was I'm no economist, mm-hmm. but I could have fixed it. If you have a mortgage, you will continue to have your mortgage, we put you exactly where you're on the clock, six months, six years, whatever, Mm -hmm. we reset the values of everything, we reset the mortgages to four and a half percent, everybody keeps their house, and who's the only person who gets fucked? The banks. The banks! (laughs) I'm no genius, but other than the bankers who own our fucking Congress right now, who would have
3: a problem with that? Dude, you know, like seriously these are simple easy things and I think the insurance conundrum could be fixed very much the same way I completely agree dude banking is dude the 1% are the only people that can commit heinous crimes hundreds of times worse like dude you can make more money you can make grand theft auto yeah and what are you doing 20 years yeah of course You're you're going to jail yeah big time okay so you you steal something like 40 grand worth of car and then you're going away Okay, so let's steal maybe like forty million or forty billion. And what do you do? You get a slap on the hand and then Bay you go to fine. play golf. Right. Yeah.
2: And they may even dig you way out of a hole. Well they're yeah, just they saying like, the other recovery that's going on right now, ninety seven percent of it went to the one percent.
3: Dude, you know what to watch the stock market go it, up Iceland? to sixteen thousand. Where did they let the banks fail? Was it Iceland? Oh yeah, 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 yeah it was. Yeah, I
2: think that is yeah. right.
3: That dude. Yep. I would have been so happy if they let the banks fail here in the U.S. I would have run down Wilshire jerking
0: off. (laughs) Yeah, that was all beautiful and stuff, but you still didn't answer my question about the common, uh, what are the most common issues and what are the most common solutions?
3: I was actually practicing my Filipino martial arts bobbing and weaving. Okay, good, (laughs) good.
1: Just Just Trying
3: to to duck and work a little bit of footwork and head movement. Um, actually, that's a that's a really legit question. And really, I think so many problems that we suffer, the most common problems that we suffer from are actually societal. What do I mean by that? Every kid at three years old, unless they're born with some serious birth defect, has essentially the same movement patterns. You watch a kid, three-year-old that's born in Uganda, a kid that's born in uh, the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, like let's say Siberia. You find a kid that's born in... Uh, Japan, you find a kid that's born in, in, in Mexico, you find a kid that's born in Bel Air, all three-year-olds can squat feet flat, ass to the ground, no problem, no pain all good now fast forward 23 years actually it's not even 23 years now believe it or not, like right. it's actually even in teenage years, look at how different those movement patterns have become, like physical education here in the states, the quote-unquote greatest country on the on earth Man, like the movement patterns, from, from the standpoint of someone that studies movement and how movement should improve or degrade over time with, with certain injuries or certain diseases, it would, it would sicken you if you saw what used to be the, um, for example, the U.S. Army. The shooting platform that they used to have people shoot from in the 50s was just a deep squat. You squat, ass to heels, you, lower, you have a lower profile now, and you, you return fire to the enemy like okay there's the argument now okay sure you know that was back in the 50s and you know people didn't have all of the same kit and gear that they have now great take the average adult now take the average recruit now who goes in total body weight put them in t-shirt and shorts hand them a rifle and say squat ask the heels without lifting your heels up and shoot no way no no way not gonna happen they're gonna fall over or they're gonna injure themselves to get down there did our genetics change that much in 50 years no fucking way what happened our movement degraded because we don't have education in that anymore. We don't have that – like gym class is like controlled chaos. It's not structure. It's not – you're not taught. There's no educational value in it. It's just letting kids burn off energy so they can come back slightly more docile. Right. Not cool. So because movement has um, gone from being a priority to being something that's barely acknowledged until it becomes a problem – Right. Again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of Googling lower and upper cross syndromes, um, Dr. Yanda's work. So you see a lot of lower back pain. You see a lot of neck and shoulder pain. So because those are so common, the interventions, believe it or not, are actually pretty straightforward as well. It's not that we need better acupuncture or better pills or better surgical procedures. Surgical procedures are awesome. There's a time and place for everything. Don't get, like, if you're, if you're listening to this and thinking, man, Chang's off his rocker. He's bad-mouthing surgery. No, you don't get it. You didn't listen. Every tool has its proper intelligent application. If someone comes into my office with a gunshot wound, dude, you don't get acupuncture for that shit. Wake up. On the other hand, like, if you're suffering from, like, shoulder pain and, and you can't point to any particular trauma... Then do you need surgery for that? Like, oh, I, uh, man, this, this doctor did my rotator cuff and it feels great. Dude, take something more conservative first. Like figure out if there's a movement intervention. Figure out if there's a, there's a neuromuscular reboot that you, can, that you can give to your body to help you move better, feel better, and move stronger without having to go the, the route of surgery. The thing is, it's like once a cut, always a scar. Right. If you can avoid that scar if you can avoid that scarring, if you can avoid that risk, all of those other risks associated with something like a surgical intervention, dude, you're ahead of the game. Right. So, what I did was, I I actually started thinking over time, I keep getting asked about, what do I do for X, Y, and Z? So, what are the X, Y, and Z? The most common problems. Like, you're asking. So, in my clinic, a lot of the patients come in, there's neck problems, or neck pain. There are Um, Shoulder injuries or shoulder problems, shoulder slash elbow problems, um, and lower back, lower body issues, lower back and hip issues. So if we group all those problems together and look at what the patterns are of movement or movement problems or movement deficits that feed Mm -hmm. into those problems and then address those, Then we come up with we we what I did was I came up with with some some exercises. The most common exercises that I use or most common interventions that I use that get people better or get my patients better. Interestingly enough, almost all of those exercises go right back to the developmental sequence that we as humans all go through. So what am I talking about? As a baby, what's the first thing that a baby learns to do in terms of movement? move its eyes, move its head, control its vision. Like, you hear a stimulus, you turn your head that way. Like, oh, you want to check it out as a baby. We as men are still like that. We see a stimulus,
0: we turn our head like... Something's jiggling over there. Hello. Very Italian of you. So there we go. Um, So, yeah, Italians can start at stage two, right? Like, (laughs) the first stage is taken care of. We can move to the next part.
3: Right, and then the next part is going to be rolling, right? right? So baby learns to roll interestingly enough like you want to talk about core training people are doing all this crazy shit for core training oh you need this balance board you need this that the other blah, 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 blah. are the wobble boards bullshit you want to know what gets your body your body's core to make the most radical improvements in core strength yeah watch what an infant does while it's learning to crawl while it's learning to crawl it's learning to roll over. It's learning to post up on its elbows. It's learning to move its head while posted up on its elbows. It's learning to engage its shoulder stabilizers. It's learning to engage its neck to see things. It's learning to reach while stabilizing on one hand. It's learning to, to just move its waist, move from the hips. Learning to crawl without having, having like strain. I mean, if you watch most people these days that are in sports camps or boot camps trying to do bear crawls, because let's say bear crawls, for example, that's the new fad, right? You watch people in the in these like hardcore training things as far as a bear crawl, and their ass is way up in the air, dude. No way. <laughs> that's a that's a back injury waiting to happen. That's not a bear crawl, right? You watch a baby crawl, like even if even if the baby's let's say like just not crawling with the most ridiculous speed or whatever. But watch it crawl. Watch the efficiency with which it crawls. Babies don't hold their breath when they crawl. Adults do because they're straining. Now here's the thing: when you're holding your breath while exercising, you're you are subjecting your body to additional stress. What does stress do? It causes a stress reaction. So you have a stress cascade of hormone, or stress hormone cascade, like cortisol. Cortisol, okay, that's great when you're like running away from a saber tooth tiger and shit. <laughs> Every
0: time <laughs> I've done
3: that, yeah, cortisol
0: will yes. fucking gotta have it.
3: Um, but. When you're training, when you're exercising in ways that should be building up your body, not tearing it down, why would you want a sudden dump of cortisol or a stress hormone into your bloodstream? That makes no sense. You know, so what happens? These people work out hard, they spend time in the gym, and then they're still not losing their pounds. If anything, like, they're starting to notice, you know, just more fatigue, you know, a little bit of extra pounds or a little bit of extra flab in places that they've been really struggling hard trying to clean diet up, this, that, and the other and it's still not coming off. Why? Maybe the movement needs to be addressed in a cleaner fashion. And so what we did was I, I actually partnered, I was fortunate enough to partner with a Movement Education Group um, and put together a DVD um, called Prehab Rehab 101. Mm-hmm. So this prehab thing, people in prehab, did he stutter? No, no. I didn't say rehab and then like, like the time before that, trust me. My English is very good. Um, so prehab is a special kind of training that you use to strengthen the body before it hits the fan. So what can we do? What are the best practices in training that we can do to increase our durability? What's, why is durability so important? Dude, it's simple. Like, would you want a car that's like a Yugo, you 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 hit the brakes hard and then like the front bumper comes flying off? No, of course not. Do you want to train your body in that same way? Do you want to train your body in such a same way where like you go out for a jog and the next thing you know you're crippled? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, really, like do you want your knees to be that fragile? Do you want your lower back to be that fragile? Do you want your neck right. and shoulders to be that fragile? No. So if we can put together best practices to retrain the body, to fire the core, In an intelligent fashion not just a tight core but a functional core if we can get the the skeleton to line up in ways or or re-line up in ways that are going to be more efficient and more powerful why not Um, so with the prehab rehab 101 DVD I, I what I did was I put together some of the basic exercise progressions that people can use to help improve that durability for their body
0: when's that coming out
3: it's supposed to drop, I think, at the end of the month. I, I got to double check with um, the production company, um, but it should be available.
0: Um, by the time we air this episode, it should be out plenty. So we'll put. Uh, usually, you know, a few days before we release, we'll put together the episode notes. So I'll, by then, I'm sure you'll have the link and stuff, and we can put it in the episode notes where where you guys can find it. But on that note, beside the showering you in gold for all the good uh, money that's gonna be flowing in thanks to this brilliant plan. You just put yourself out of a job because now everybody's just got to uh, follow the DVD and you never see a patient again.
3: Funny that you said that, dude. Like I always tell my patients, like if I, if I do my job correctly, I have the shittiest business plan on earth. Here's why. The more times I see you, the more money I make off you. So it would be in my best interest to see you more and more and more and more. Right. But I can't live with that. Right. Just the thought of that, bugs me shitless so my whole thing is like I need to be better at what I do so that I get to see you less and get you better results so you can go and live a better life and I don't need to see you again and instead of seeing you in my office I can see you at the bar and you can buy me drinks right Ah.
0: (laughs) which sounds like an excellent plan Uh, yes are
3: the the kettlebells included in the prehab rehab stuff I I believe I did show some kettlebell exercises but the thing with kettlebells in general is like the, the thing that Uh, Seems to have grabbed the attention of the public when they see kettlebells or really fancy exercises or or, you know hardcore ballistics Really for the prehab rehab stuff the simplest stuff is the stuff. That's like really badass Like okay doing kettlebell snatches or Turkish get up or this that and the other okay all of those are cool but just like taking a course in college if you want to take an upper division course and you beg and you plead and you whine to the professor and you just, okay, just to shut your ass up, he lets you in and signs your waiver, but you didn't fulfill the prereqs, you're going to have to work three, four, five times as hard as everyone else, do more reading, just to keep your nose above water. And what if we could just take it such that you you'll spend a little bit more time on the prereqs, make those prereqs even easier and more methodically taught such that you can jump to the advanced stuff afterwards or the upper division stuff afterwards, have a better time doing it, spend less energy doing those lifts, be less likely for injury during those lifts, and, you know, have better performance. It's like you you get more strength with less effort and you get hurt less often. I mean, that really shouldn't be a hard sell. No, that makes perfect
2: sense. I think I was really wondering, because you said that they were here in the fifties and it all kind of went away. Was it was something that went down Did uh barbells, <laughs> did
3: you rule the roost all of a sudden, or I, I don't think it's an issue of the tools. I mean, like the tools, whether you're using kettlebells, whether you're using an Oli bar, whether you're using whatever. I mean, even body weight training, it's how society's changed and the focus on keeping kids sitting the whole time and how we, you know, even how we let kids exercise or don't let kids exercise the human the human animal is meant to be stimulated in a bunch of different ways i mean and take that statement as broadly as you damn well care to um but i'm almost glad you guys can't see my facial expressions right now but really stimulus causes adaptation and if you lack stimulus in certain areas you don't adapt and those those adaptations may be really good adaptations like for example, the range of motion in your knees, right, in your in your hips. If your range of motion goes from a straight knee and a relatively straight hip in standing, to like you kind of plop down in your chair with not the best control, and that's getting your knees to 90 degrees and your hips at not flexed to 90 degrees, and you never really take your knees past that 90 degrees to to bring like your ass to your heels kind of thing, and fold up and ball up into true tight fetal position then guess what happens over time? Your body stops allowing you to access those ranges of motion. The body's a conservative system, so it's like if if you if you start off as an infant like Gumby, you know, like you can, yeah, you, you take, a, take a newborn, exactly. you can practically tie them in a knot and throw them in a suitcase and... and, and, and don't bring, try that at home, no, by the do way. Do not try that at home, this is all... <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, yes. just say no. I'm, I'm speaking about this figuratively, but I mean, you get the idea. Like infants, if, when you watch an infant as far as their flexibility and their ranges of motion, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, freaky. I mean, you can take, like, even my toddler, who's not yet two, but just to see, like, without even having to use her hand, she'll, like, lift her foot within, like, a couple of inches of her head right. while she's sitting down. And I'm like, God damn, I wish I could. Like, I tried yeah. that shit, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> Maybe a couple feet? Uh, I mean, unless I try and tomahawk the leg up there, Right but the slow control that infants have is amazing you like you you watch that and you go wow that's what our core should be like yep. and we're not there why well, we don't train that we don't use that we're taught no 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 don't put your feet up on the table don't do this like you should sit at the table don't sit, don't sit on the floor it's dirty and so there's so many cultural constructs that come about like oh well who squats on the ground that's so third world that's so like low class it's so You know, you hear phrases like that. right? But really, look at the third world. They have less low back knee and hip problems than we do here in the, you know, hoity-toity first world. So who's doing what right? Right. You know, like you ask the average, let's say, okay, to be generous, ask the average 40-year-old male in the States to do a rock-bottom squat, feet flat, you know, pretty much, I mean, ass to heels or hamstrings to calves, squat, right? The majority of them will have to round their backs in order to do it, crane forward, hold their breath and look like their face is going to turn so red, they yep. look like it's about to pop like a zit. Right. It shouldn't be that way. And you look at some of the other people that are able to do that and you, oh, that looks so, um, where are they from? Oh, they're like, they're like third world. Are they like African or something? Or are they like Filipino? Or, I mean, really? Yeah. We should all be able to do that. It's our right as human beings to be able to move off of, off of our skeletons in that way. Why don't we? Is it recoverable or once it's gone, it's gone? It depends on, on what levels of, of degeneration have happened in the joints. Um, I think for most people, it is recoverable as long as you take the time to work through the simple progressions. Right. And the thing is, they are really simple. Some of them, like you look like, oh, man, if I want to recover that, then I need to do something really intense. And it's not about effort. I think what what gets people into trouble in terms of training, and certainly in terms of medicine, or maybe vice versa, maybe more in term, maybe more in training rather than medicine, is that there's this confusion that effort is commensurate with results. It's so not that way. Never, never, ever mistake enthusiasm with intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, and training intelligently, training smart is sometimes training soft you know like jujitsu for example is a perfect Mm -hmm. example you look at the guys that that train at a high that have high level skills um and one of the things that you keep hearing them say over and over and over and over when they're when you're when you're in class is like don't use so much muscle don't muscle your technique don't force it don't go so fast slow down slow down slow down and you're thinking, but no, but this is supposed to be athletic and blah, blah, and macho. And you've got all these preconceived notions of what things should be like rather than what they, sh- they could be like if right. you did them properly. Yeah. So when it comes to recovering these ranges of motion, like we're talking about, it's doable. But some of the stuff that, that like I outline in Prehab Rehab 101, when you look at it, you go like, yeah, uh, yeah it doesn't look like anything. No, dude. Do it. Look at it, right? Like, do it. Follow the details. When you follow the details, and then you get up, and then all of a sudden, you like people start commenting to you, on, commenting to you, like, "Dude, you look like taller. Like, what are you doing?" I, I know it sounds like funny, but honestly, I've had I've had some of these exercises, like sixty some year old women do this stuff, and then their husbands are like, "What are you doing differently?" And then the, the the women will go and and have their physicals, and the doctor will look at do a double take at the chart. Because you know when you get your physical, like they weigh you and they measure sure. your height, right? Yeah. First two things that they do. And they when they get the height measurement, they're like you're an inch taller. What's <laughs> going on? And the doctors are all confused. The PA the physician's assistants are confused. And it's like, oh, it must be those exercises I'm doing. Hee <laughs> hee.
0: Like, yeah, dude. That's something right there, definitely.
3: What do you think about the standing desks? Is there anything real to that? I think the standing desks are better than the sitting desks in the sense that, um, you know, if you're sitting all the time and and any time you can cut off from sitting, that's great. Right. The only downside is that there are some people that really need to work their way up to standing desks. Um, So maybe a desk that's geared towards standing, but having something like a bar stool, you know, there to lean on a little bit or to just kind of lean your hips against and get closer and closer to standing. Because, you know, if you cold turkey go from sitting for hours at a day to standing for hours at a day, that'll cause its own set of problems. Just like, you know, you remember the, the whole barefoot running thing? Mm-hmm. You, you hear about that? Sure. So like all these guys has been running for years and stuff like that. in these nice cushy, whatever, name the brand shoes. All of a sudden go out and buy these minimalist shoes and then try and, they go, and instead of reading the directions, they go out and they go first day. Like, OK, I'm going to go on my five mile run. In these minimalist shoes, you gave your neuromuscular system zero freaking time to adapt, and you hammered it for five miles? Boy, that's intelligent. Like, slow. Yeah. Slow. And, and really, a lot of people think slow is not sexy. Dude, injured is not sexy. Let's put it in perspective. You, want, you think slow is not sexy and fast is sexy? No, you're stupid. Injured is not sexy, because then that takes you out of the game altogether. Yeah. Go slow at the beginning and then you can learn to, then once you learn to master what you need to master you can go as jackrabbit fast as you want later on down the line for
0: as long as you want uh, yeah because yeah, I mean there's nothing like in that sense training smart allows you to be training for every day of your life training hardcore go for it right now yeah then you're injured and you don't train for the next six months. It's like well was it worth it you know at the end of the day you're actually spending less time training that way. But you got this macho rush that just an illusion at the end of the day.
3: That's a perfect. That's a perfect way of putting it. You know, like one of the things that I heard from um, Roy Harris, um, jujitsu teacher, um, was if you're training jujitsu and you're so injured from your jujitsu that you can't even pick up your kids, you're doing something wrong in your jujitsu. Yeah. I was like,
0: hmm, big time. That's one thing that's interesting about your martial art journey that you have been really all over the place. I mean, you have trained so many different arts under, in some cases, spending long time in each one of those arts, in some cases, trying things. But the bottom line is you have tried way more things than most people ever get to you know that's and that's part of starting early and being it a lifelong process for you where it's been a priority has been a huge thing in your life that then opened the door to all these other things the um, where are you at now what kind of training are you doing these days
3: uh i spent Probably the majority of my time, like actual martial arts training time, in, yeah, in uh, in Asano Kali. Okay, um, I think the Filipino martial arts. A lot of a lot of people look at Kali and think it's just stick and knife. No, no, I so knowledge. not it. I yeah. mean, it, Kali is is a blanket term for all of the skills that fall under Filipino martial arts. So whether that's empty hand work, whether okay. that's uh, grappling, whether that's takedowns, whether that's um, short stick, long stick, knife, sword, long spear, what have you, projectile weapons. Um, all of that is Kali. Um, and so the more time I get to spend you know, training with Guru Inasano, uh, the more I, I appreciate um, how rich that that system is or those systems are. Um, so that's probably where I spend the majority of my time training right now. Um, I'm also investigating Sistema um, mm-hmm. with Martin Wheeler. Right. Uh, and I think uh, how Wheeler teaches the... Sistema is just superb. Um, he's one of these guys that can take a system that a lot of people will look at and say, nah, it's, it's bullshit, it's fake, it's whatever. Right. And certainly I, I'm guilty of that too um, because the Sistema that I was exposed to or that I got <coughs> to see or that I got to to you know watch or,
0: or hear – Prior to him, I, I wasn't that impressed with. Right. I mean, it's like any system who's practicing it? You know, it's like that guy does it, it's one thing. That other one, oh my God, please. There are, um, anything else they are playing with these days in particular, or um, that's those the bulk are the, of it. Those,
3: those are the two newer ones. I mean, outside of the Chinese martial arts, um, Chinese martial arts, my my focus is still on Siolam uh, Fat which is uh, one of the southern styles. Uh-huh. Fat gar. Um, which, as you know, makes up Sansu. Right. Um, so Fatgao is uh, one of the styles I, I totally love. Um, it's headquartered in Honolulu mm-hmm. um, under the new Grandmaster Harlan Lee. Um, so I, I train that. I continue to train that. Um, and then Sui Jiao, Chinese
0: wrestling, yeah. which I, you know I love. I love Chinese wrestling and I love Sui Jiao. That's really rare when you think about it. When you think about how cool and how amazing of a martial arts it is, and how little it's known in a place where there's every other martial arts on the planet, like US. It's kind of crazy how little there is uh, of qualified Shuai Jiao instruction in the US. I
3: think part of it is because Shuai Jiao, uh, to learn it well, you've got to learn how to fall. Yeah, And taking the falls time and time again gets really hard. I mean, these are not easy falls. You're not being let down, you're being launched. Because the idea of Sui Jiao is to incapacitate someone with the ground. Yeah. Um, and so instead of hitting them with your hands or hitting them with your feet, and while we certainly, in Sui Jiao practice, kicking and punching and elbowing and kneeing as well, um, the whole idea is like how how much spin, velocity, height, and and force can I drop someone into the ground with? Sui Jiao is not about so much just harmonizing with your opponent in a, in a soft way as much as it is like, interrupt what they're doing and take whatever they're doing and immediately spin it in such a way that they hit the ground with maximum force right um, and so I think because of that uh, it, uh, you know the, in the and the associated injury rates a lot of people have have veered away from it and I get that I totally get that and, and certainly I myself have had plenty of injuries while training it but I, I think as far as efficacy you know we, we've all heard the statistic uh, the 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 majority of street fights or the majority of street confrontations end up in some sort of grappling situation. Sure. Okay. Well, before they go to the ground, like if you, in in closing the gap, like we all know what what it looks like when people clinch. Right. If at that split second when there's that clinch, you could capitalize it in a way that could finish the situation, right? Or put you right. or put you in a position like, let's say you do go to the ground, you clinch and you throw in such a way where you land in a dominant position. Yeah. Then that already puts you closer to your submission. And so that's why I think Swagel is one of those systems that I, I still, you know, no matter what I've been exposed to, uh Swagel is always going
0: to be one of the one of the one of my great loves. I can totally see that. It's beautiful. I mean, to me, just about everything in martial arts attracts me. There's some good flavor in everything, but the ability to take somebody who's standing on two feet and in balance and being able to just disrupt their balance, toss them through the air, and that's like serious skill. That to me is where there's an element of technique and even aesthetic beauty to the movement that I can't really find in too many other things. So, but one thing about that, uh, by the way, how do you train it? Because again, there are not that many places. Like, do you have your own students that you're training with, or are you? I have a
3: couple of students that I train with, but uh, I'm again, just like all the other stuff in martial arts that you've mentioned, I've been really, really, really lucky um, in the sense that I've, I've had
0: access to just world-class teachers. Um, I, I but, have the, but, I have but they are not out like the Zhao the is not out of LA, right? It's stuff that you learn from people elsewhere. And
3: um, while well, my master David Lin is headquartered in Atlanta, his right. his elder son is here in LA, oh, so I do get a okay. chance to train with him. Gotcha. Uh, and every time I'm on the mat with him, he, it, it just I, f- I feel like I'm uh, I feel like I'm a, a, like a like a teddy bear that's getting thrown <laughs> around and. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Of course. It's amazing. He 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 doesn't get that that often to train these days because he's got two kids, he's got a
0: career and everything else. But right. every time we step on the mat, God he schools me. I bet. I bet. That's one thing that's funny too, when you think about the popular reputation of things, you know, the ever since MMA became big. Chinese martial arts has definitely suffered a hit in terms of public image. Mm-hmm. There's the, from, you know, Pat Militich School in Iowa where, you know, former UFC champion who had the sign, uh, your Kung Fu is no good here, to, uh, you know, the general attitude toward Chinese martial arts. And Chinese martial arts, unfortunately, because people have a very stereotypical vision, just the term Kung Fu gets thrown around as a generic all purpose, like, it's all the same, where obviously it's a, All-purpose terms that refer to 70 million different arts that have sometimes very little to do with each other. Right. But the typical image now is uh, it's some crappy shit that didn't work. You know, in the 70s, people thought it was something, but you know, now it's been proven that this is all crap. Even somebody who is incredibly smart when it comes to martial arts, like Joe Rogan, has a general view of all Chinese martial arts suck. Now, there's a point to that, that there's uh, there's an element of truth in that. There's an element of lots of people within uh, Chinese martial arts systems have been building this castle, sort of deluding themselves without actually trying things. There, there There is an element of it that's based on reality. It's not like the stereotype was born out of nothing. There's an element that's very real. Absolutely. And at the same time, there are also some major exceptions to what, they are talking about where, like any stereotype, if you take it too far, you're just nuts because you took something that made sense and now you're just taking it way beyond the spot. What's your take on all of this?
3: I think, regardless of Chinese martial arts, or I mean, regardless of where the martial arts from, whether it's Chinese or Japanese or what have you, I mean, um, anytime you allow a system to be propagated, to continually be taught or spread, right, um, and not tested. Mm-hmm. You're asking for problems, right? It, it, you know, uh, you know. I, I, having met Joe, I hold him in the highest esteem. And of course. And work with him, I think he's 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 not only um, a great student, but he's a very sharp mind. Right. Um, and so, I, I actually concur with Joe. I wouldn't. I, I I certainly wouldn't say all Chinese martial arts are crap. Um, nor would I say that it's an issue of a particular style or school. It's an issue of the people that decide to practice it. And the people that decide to teach it, even if you have the great mindset of like, I want to learn this. I want to take my time. I'm not. I'm not just in this for fighting. I'm not going to be impatient. But I want to learn this traditional way, and I'll do everything my teacher or my sifu says. Um, if your teacher doesn't know know how to drill it, how to teach, how to how to how to, how to take you through the progressions right. intelligently and develop skill with durability, you're screwed. Um, similarly, I think, and I hate to say this because some people are gonna are gonna misinterpret what I'm gonna say, and, and and I can tell that right after this hits the waves, if for the people that get to this part in the podcast, they're gonna they're gonna bomb on me. But the reality is that Bruce Lee bears a a, a bit of responsibility for this as well, because he so emphasized sparring, so emphasized full well, contact sparring, and so emphasized liberation from the classical mess. Sure. Liberation from the classical mess means that at some point you have to be shackled down by the classical mess. Right. And I think far too many people don't understand that that if you want to take flight, you need to be grounded at some point. Right. Even, even birds, like, start off as in their eggs, imprisoned. But then they develop the strength to break out, live in the nest, and then take their lickings and then learn how to fly. Right. Um... You don't fast forward through that process. And when you do shortcut steps in that process, you develop compensations and those compensations usually lead to problems and to hamper your durability. So for Chinese martial arts, a lot of people start going like, "Oh, you know, um, you know I came here because I want to learn to defend myself. I need to learn how to fight. Okay, well, go do these stances and go do this this stretching and all this yogic stuff. No, no, no no, I want to learn how to fight. Okay. Um we could teach you how to fight but then you're going to break faster. Is that really what you want? Right. Well, well, the other school just can teach me how to fight. Then go to the other school <laughs> and watch what happens. I mean, really uh, MMA fighters are awesome in the sense that they they put their bodies through a tremendous amount of punishment. But also, let's be honest, look at the look at their longevity. I mean, You get the occasional rare person like a Don Fry or um, a Randy Couture. Sure. But that's by far and away the rarity. Yeah. You know, even Kung, um, my buddy Kung Lee, who's still fighting now. I mean, a lot of people look at him as like old. Yeah. You know, martial arts, if you're training martial arts, it should be something that's a practice that you can do through your entire life and get, get better with you as you age. You know, if you want to if you want to pursue martial arts, pursue it like a Gozo Shioda from Yoshikan you know, Aikido or or Elio Grace, you know, or someone like that. That as you get older, you become more badass. Where the young bucks are scared to get on the mat with you. Yeah. You know, not like, well, I'm old, so I can't do this. So you go, you guys go do this. So, but I'll show you everything else. No, like you, your if your system is complete, if your teaching is smart, if your practices are are methodical and right. progressive and safe and and have an eye towards longevity,
1: mm-hmm.
3: not just mom- feeding momentary ego, you're good to go. Yeah. So as far as Kung Fu goes, as far as Chinese martial arts go, I think, you know, speaking as a Chinese, speaking as a Chinese martial arts person, um, speaking as someone who um, has teaching credentials in different Chinese systems, but also speaking as someone <coughs> who's who's been trained outside of them as well, we need to... Um, Look at what made the old masters so awesome. Instead of just living off their reputations, right? They were awesome because they took the time to train methodically like that. They took the time to temper their egos so that they could learn how to master their bodies, and then because they mastered their bodies, then they could develop higher levels of skill in combat. Yep. If you jump straight to the combat drilling or combat sparring or combat this, that, and the other, without owning the requisite attributes at the at the beginning stage. You've you're you're trying to pour fine wine into a cup with holes.
0: Yeah, that's not gonna
3: <laughs> not gonna play
0: incredibly well. And it's not for gonna sure. work out
3: on a drunken Taoist.
0: No, definitely not. Now on the on the Chinese martial arts stuff, it's funny to me how both when it comes to Chinese martial arts. Earlier you mentioned Kali, there's a lot of amazing stuff out there that's not really been properly mined for MMA that could actually work really well in MMA. I mean think about Kali. There's a lot of the empty hand work of Kali that's from um, you know the gaunting, all the elbow defenses game punches, all the that kind of stuff. It's it's amazing. It works great. It's easy to apply. And yet, to me, it's almost like there's needs to be within the MMA world some kind of more research and development, so to speak. You know, everybody knows the same stuff now. Everybody knows how to wrestle. Everybody knows how to punch and kick and have some kickboxing, some white eye, some jujitsu they almost need to have somebody in their various camps that can bring him little gems from other things, show them, hey, you can use these, and right now no one else use it, and it's awesome, and play with it. You, you
3: know who's doing a lot of that is actually Greg Nelson. In, um, in, uh, I, I want to say he's in the Minneapolis area. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Greg Nelson, um, who, who was one of the guys that taught Sean Shirk, and, and has an incredible gym there. Um, he's one of the highest-ranking instructors under Guru Inasano. So, like, if you watch him work and you watch him teach, he's Keep teaching, so. he's teaching a, a total hybrid. I mean, it, it's 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 not just Thai boxing and jiu-jitsu when he right. teaches. Or not just Western boxing with a little bit of Thai kicking and jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really using the whole package. He's really – I mean, you watch the takedowns and throws, whether it's judo or silat or whatever. And, and watching the, the close quarter work, whether yep. it's – Elbowing or um, nerve destructions and things like that. Uh, Nelson's Nelson's camp is definitely if if I wanted to learn MMA in a, in as well rounded a, a way as possible, that would be with the it, way. With, it, with a heavy Filipino influence and, and looking at, at how Kali really plays into that. Greg is one of the top coaches for that for sure.
0: Or even think about like what you do, the Kamba Shuai Jiao. I mean, that would be it's perfect for MMA. You know, it's perfect for that being able to throw without necessarily using, uh, you know, like a heavy judogi or something like that, but also work off a joint lock and just throw from there, you would be, why not, you know? It seems strange that it hasn't gotten there yet.
3: I I think a lot of that has to do with just the way that Swaijiao, you know, Swaijiao practitioners teach. And, you know, we do stuff that, you know, like stances, and we'll do stuff like the yogic practices or things that look like forms. And so to the average MMA fighter, it'll be like, why am I doing this? This is like a waste of time. Why? Yeah. I'm not, I didn't come to a place to learn forms. I, you know, I, I got I to roll. I got to kick. I got to punch. Yeah. But all of those forms or all of those yogic exercises are either trying to drill better durability yeah. or better coordination. So one way or the other, it's actually feeding in, into your um, longevity as a fighter.
0: Right. No, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely switching gear radically but I guess not so radically speaking of longevity and um, and the different kind of martial arts so you have two kids now yes and uh, what's their what are their ages now
3: Uh, my son by the time this airs will be eight um, and my daughter will be uh, a year and a half wow that's a gap yeah yeah (laughs) whoo that's exponentially exponential I was hanging out with Pamela a lot (laughs) and now I'm back to hanging out with her
0: (laughs) <laughs> nice the, yeah man that's uh, that's a martial art right there the being able to you obviously have a very strong feelings regarding raising kids I mean one thing that if you guys don't know check out Mark on Facebook on Twitter and everything on a fairly regular basis, some of uh, Mark's posts about, are about parenting, are about raising kids, and what it means to raise a kid, what it means to be a parent, and all of the... Give us a little bit of your take on it all, because you clearly have some very clear ideas in regard to what you like and what you don't in this regard.
3: As far as parenting, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think as a dad... You know, I, I can't speak, as, speak for moms. I mean, moms, what you guys put up with um, as moms, uh, really, my hat's off to you. Um, and for all of you single moms out there that are listening to this, you, you, my hat's off to you and I'm bowing down to you. Really, what you guys have to put up with is, is truly above and beyond. Um, speaking as a dad, uh, I think, there's, For me, I shouldn't say mom or dad, but as a parent, you have a very special responsibility to first now go do double time to get your own shit right. Because while we want to be able to, to make our kids awesome and do this and do that, whether it's taking them to karate lessons, taking them to piano lessons, taking them to ballet, do this, or the other, you know, AYSO soccer, whatever it is. Whatever you're having your kid do, If you want them to be excellent, you need to spend more effort on making yourself excellent. Mm -hmm. That's a hard truth for a lot of us to swallow. Um, And a lot of it comes down to just discipline. Like, you need to be consistent. You need to have... If you want your kid to be disciplined, you have to be disciplined in how you enforce boundaries. You have to explain the rules consistently. And consistency takes discipline. If you want to see good results in your kids... Like, let's say your kid is a little bit, I'll, I won't lie, my son gets credited all the time like, oh my God, like I see your your kid's posts and I see like your the stuff, the pictures you put up of your kid and I see like the little video clips and he's so nice and so good and he's such an angel and like when we see him in public, he's so blah, 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 blah. Dude, do you have any freaking clue how much time and energy I put into making him? Right. Like <clears throat> learn how to behave? It's not like you, these things happen out of a vacuum. Yeah there are some kids that there's that all, there's always that one random kid that like just came out of the womb. Perfect. Sure. But that's the, that's the exception by far, not the rule. Of course. And so if you want your kids to behave well, if you want your kids to move well, if you want your kids to live well, you've got to be disciplined enough to put forth that effort in taking care of them, teaching them, guiding them, correcting them and correcting them is sometimes the hardest thing to do. and, and, I'll say this too, as a parent, your responsibility in correcting them is that when everyone else can go home at the end of the day and go, fuck it, like I tried my best, I sent them to the principal's office, principal said, you know, at the end of the day, parent, come pick up your kid. You as the parent have that special and, and profound responsibility to figure out whatever stimulus it is that gets through to your kid to create a change. And you're sometimes going to have to be creative in figuring out what that stimulus is. Maybe it's like no more video games, like something as, as simple as grounding them. Sometimes you're going to have to sit down and talk to them. Sometimes you're going to have to spank them. Sometimes you're going to do whatever. I mean, sometimes it might be like, go to go to bed tonight without dinner. Whatever, whatever the stimulus is, positive or negative, that gets them to understand, wow, I need to change what I did. And maybe it's something, Maybe maybe you need to reward them for good behavior. Maybe it's just an issue of like, Hey, do this, and I'll give you this. So it starts off as bribery, and let's call it what it is, because it's bribery. Sure, of course. But if it gets to the point where that habit, that that um, that pattern of behavior becomes grooved, then you stop having to bribe them, because the kid figures this is natural and this is logical, and this is what I should do. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely.
3: Um, so when it comes to parenting, I think like one of our One of the toughest things to talk about, people always say like, oh, which approach should I use? I was like, don't think about the approach you use on your kid. Think about the approach you use on yourself. That's, if you're not willing to ask the tough questions of yourself, if you're not willing to steel yourself to being consistent in how you live your life, and certainly how you interact with your kid, then don't make, you know, don't be making uh, unfair expectations on your
0: kids. And that's, talk about... uh hard lesson because people make all sort of excuses and fall short of discipline themselves let alone when you have to do it to somebody else which is 10 times harder because you yourself once you convince yourself you're done here first you have to convince yourself to do that and then there's this other being with his own or her own will and willingness to go along with it or not that Mm -hmm. even when you manage to get through the hump and convince yourself okay this is what we're gonna do Let's make it happen, da da, da da And you're pumped up, and you have this other creature that says, "Screw you!" No, it's not going to happen, or I don't feel like it, or wine, 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 or I'm distracted, or I'm. And you have to then try 17 times harder to figure out a way to get through them. So you have to have the wheel, and on top of it, you also have to have it for them to some degree because you need to be able to stay with what they feed you, and what they feed you sometimes is not going to be the reaction you want, and you need to play with that. That's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. You you
3: so hit the nail right on the head with that. And and I think just parents especially when I listen to my, my kids, you know, classmates and their parents, like sometimes the stuff that comes out of their mouths, I'm like, dude, do you realize how much stuff you're trying to just justify? Right. <clears throat> justify holding yourself to a higher standard rather yeah. than justifying a lower standard. Justify like why you took time off from work so you could spend more time with your kid, making sure they're doing this, that, or the other. Not like, you know, oh, well, I, I worked all of these extra hours um, doing whatever. I mean, okay, certainly you, there are times when you need to work that, those kinds of second or third job as far as just to provide right basic needs. Yep. And that's, that's, that's one situation. But, you know, there are plenty of people out there that are making f- just – Decent money, but they're, they'd rather spend their time somewhere else. Right. Spend your time with your kids, so your kid understands right and wrong. Yeah. It's funny that we're talking about this because I was actually in San Francisco. I went to see my old college roommate, and um, he and his wife have a have a baby girl. And the wife was telling me that when her friends come over, mm-hmm. she was getting nagged left and right, saying like, "Oh, you need to baby proof this. You need to do that," because she's crawling now. She'll be blah, blah 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 blah, and she got the she got the like the tenth degree on that. Like people just completely. We're telling her, you need to do this. And like, oh, there's a sharp corner there. And you need to plug all those outlets. And she looked at them like they were just like, dude, like, no, I teach the baby. Like, no, 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 no. And so you watch the baby. And the baby looks at the outlet and goes, uh, uh. Right. You know, like, that's education. But that takes time. Yep. And that takes effort. Of course. And if you're not going to be consistent about putting out that time and that effort, then, okay, then it becomes about risk mitigation. Right. So you put the kid in a padded cell and then hope for you know the best case scenario, but then then the kid's gonna be a train wreck when he comes out a, later. You know? Of course, like there's there's a higher there's a higher likelihood of risk.
0: How do you do it? Because you hinted at it right now about the there are seven million other things that people have to do, you know. And in your case, definitely. I mean, talk about somebody who has a busy life. You know, there are a lot of things in your day. There are only twenty four hours in the day, and that's just how it goes. How do you find? the time and energy for something that is obviously as key and priority, such as raising your kids, mm-hmm. and at the same time when everything else is screaming for your attention and energy. How do you find, because uh, you need to have it, right? You need to have the time and energy. Otherwise, it's not gonna happen. And yet, clearly, you know, you, you don't have it because somebody handed it to you because you are gonna have an easy life, because if you wait for that to happen, you never have kids. How do you make the time and energy when you physically and mathematically you look on your day and it doesn't look like it can fit?
3: Oh, dude, there are times so many times when I'll look at my I'll open up iCal and I go, I'm fucked. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not. Re- dude, I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, there, there are times when I just I, like I'll look at my week and just shake my head and go, D- I need an endorsement deal right now with Crown Royal. <laughs> Crown <laughs> I've been Royal. saying that for years. If you guys are listening, Crown, you know, hook me up. I'm telling you you'll be happier for it. Uh, the most interesting Chinaman in the world. Um, but no, seriously, uh, while I, I, I joke and I joke a lot about alcohol, because you know, I think things like that, whether it's alcohol, whether it's caffeine, whatever, I mean, doing stuff in moderation, cool. But as far as how do I handle all that stuff, really it's about prioritizing on the go, and sometimes it's like there are things that are going to fall off your plate, right? Uh, and some days that I get through I won't lie it's just purely adrenaline right there are days when it's like I'll one of the one of the one of the, the um, one of the things one of the tricks that I'll do is like every now and then I'll if especially if I have access to a kettlebell like in my office in my clinic I have kettlebells because yeah. I use them actually for rehab just to get a quick adrenaline rush maybe I'll do a set of ten swings nothing much but just enough to get a little bit of an adrenaline rush or just a little bit of a pump and then yeah. just Okay, go on to the next person, go on to the next thing. Um, Sometimes I'll be running back and forth between like the office or house calls and I got to go pick up the kid or my son from school and then, you know, then do a Skype or FaceTime consult with a patient that's overseas or something like that. And and then then at the end of the day, having been up since six o'clock cooking breakfast for the family you know, then maybe eight o'clock or seven so let's say like eight o'clock there is a collie class at the Inasano Academy. It's like, God, I'm I'm so running on fumes. There are times when just like Tuesday night, which I look forward to more than any other night of the week as far as training, there are some times that I just go, you know what? I'm not up to it tonight. Yeah, of course. I just you just have to own it. And yeah. there are times when I push myself and it's been good. There are times when I pushed myself, and it's been like, boy, that was
0: stupid. <laughs> yep.
3: Um, yep. So yep, yep. you really just—I <clears throat> think adaptability is one of the one of the best tricks to how to get through things. Right. You always want to err on the side of doing more, but you never want to tear the envelope. You want to push it, mm-hmm. and that—that that phrase, push the envelope, but don't tear it. Yep. That I think has kept me in fairly decent stead, as far as workload, as far as life. Um, You know, I've also been. Let's be honest. I've been really fortunate. There are times, like let's say when I'm traveling. Like if I if I have to, like this fall, I'll be in Korea teaching for two weekends in a row. Wow. um, Potentially three.
0: What are you going to be teaching?
3: Um, There's a strong first SFG um, kettlebell instructor Mm -hmm. certification level one one weekend, and then level two the following weekend. Gotcha. Um, If all works out properly, I may be there. um, Hopefully, with um, my son's godfather. Nino Pila, who's mm-hmm. one of uh, Inasano, um, um, one of the Inasano instructors um, for Australia. If all goes well, we'll be there doing a kali workshop as well. Nice, um, but who knows? Um, so yeah, I mean, like in times like that, I'm f- so fortunate to not only have access to a great nanny. We lucked out as far as this nanny goes, um, <coughs> but but also my parents uh, have been really cool about coming out. You know, they still live on the East Coast, but they've been very cool about coming out um, whenever I'm going to be gone from L.A. for an extended period and helping out with the kids. So that's that's been that's been a godsend.
0: Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's I guess that is an art to be able to figure out that balance because, uh, you know, it's very easy for somebody to say just push harder or no play it conservative. That's dogma. You know, it's like. Well, not every situation you should push harder and not every situation you should play too conservative and easy with your energy. Right here, right now, what's the right call? And then yes, as you say, you will have the time when you say, I push and that was not a good idea or I kept it safe but makes me wonder, maybe I did have the energy and it would have been good to push an extra inch, you know? And that's where the art comes in of being able to make the call that's right for that particular day. It's not a blanket statement that every single day, every single month is gonna be the same and you should use the same approach because in one case you burn out because you go too hard, in one case you don't push yourself enough and you, are, you don't work on it enough and you're, you, you settle for a lot less than you could be and you could do. And being able to find the right balance and just work right at that edge, that's where the art comes in.
3: Totally. And I think sensitivity, like sensitivity to what your situation is, mm-hmm. that kind of situational or contextual awareness yeah. allows you to, to adapt. Right. Like if you can sense what's going on in your body as well as whatever whatever else is going on as far as your workload, the things that you need to do, how you feel, what you need to accomplish in terms of your training and your nutrition. Yep. And then adapt based on on, how you, on what's available to you at that time, then you will always be successful. In addition, too, you need to be, I think, sensitive to your critics. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is helping me the most is just, you know, honestly, f- social media has been awesome. Just like when I, when I hear people say or post snippy shit about me behind my back, you know, instead of going, ah, oh, that person's just being a dick, examine what they said for any grain of truth because if there is that grain of truth that person just did you a favor Right. they pointed you in the direction where you can improve yep. you know if your patients are complaining or if your students are complaining or if you're whatever I mean like look for you know is don't necessarily just jump and do whatever you know kiss their ass and do whatever you can sure. to um, you know make them not complain anymore but examine your situation and whether or not there's a change that you can make to
0: improve processes based Absolutely. on the feedback you get. Yep. No, that's that's definitely the smart way to go about it because it's very easy to get defensive and uh, miss out on the opportunity that may be there. Because th- those are the ones that are actually useful. The ones that are annoying is when people are going off about you when there's really nothing to do with you. Like trolling. It's like they are just projecting some shit or putting stuff in your mouth, making you say stuff that you never really said. And you're like, well, that's not helping me because the person you're criticizing has my name, but it really is not me because I didn't say this damn thing. I don't feel that way. It's not who I am, you know? That doesn't help you because it's not really about you. It's easy to dismiss precisely because it's not about you, but it's also not very helpful. But if there is that little bit of truth in something that maybe they take overboard, but you can see like, hmm, you know, I can see how that would be. And uh, I can I can use this. I can use it for some change. I can use it to improve an inch here. And they, they are not thinking they're doing me a favor, but actually they are in this case.
3: Totally. I mean, I think that's as I get older. I remember when I was like, when we were back in college in in UCLA days, it's like someone's talking shit. Let's throw it out. Right. You know, (laughs) or I'll get in your face or something. now it's like, God damn, that's really, uh, what's the right word, immature. If someone's saying something and there's, and you examine it for any, any scratch of validity and then you evolve from that, that's positive stimulus. Right and that's like that's how we grow that's how we improve and and that's and that's the gut check that i think if we did that with more systems like r- our roads mm-hmm. our insurance processes our healthcare our whatever it is our education system if we answered if we were accountable for more of those gut checks then god would we kick ass as a country yeah kick more ass i should say as a country
0: right no, definitely. There's something to be said about having that ability to rec- listen and recognize what actually is going on and being able to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. It's funny how, yeah, I remember when uh, you were teaching back then, Wooden Center at UCLA, Kung yep. uh, <laughs> for <comfort laughs> class back then. And uh, it's funny, yeah, I remember the day. I was so... Um, it was actually inspiring, I remember, because you had a good class going, and uh, I remember walking in, and uh, I think he wasn't working for my schedule, and one day I could, and I picked in, and I saw what you were doing and stuff, and I was, there was one element of me that was totally jealous. I'm like, look at what he's doing. That motherfucker, why does he have all <laughs> this attention? And, da, 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 da. and then I was like, because he's doing something right and uh, so okay how about we stop focusing on motherfucking mark shanga i wanted like well he's showing you exactly if this is what you want to do then how about you do that and uh and so i was like and i really like it because i remember the stuff you are doing at ted um gave me ideas for that, things I wanted to do with it, and then it helped me a bunch. But so I thought it was uh, brilliant. Well, I'm am, honored to hear that. That's, um, I'm really honored. To hear. Oh, yeah. I never told you. That's right. Yeah. I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> uh, I think it was Arthur Rosenfeld, that went, I forget if he was when he was on or during um, a conversation outside, but he was saying about writing, how uh, for a writer to be envious of somebody else's work is the highest praise because you know envy is if you're not stupid about it and you really don't take it at face value and you really think that you bastard when you stop to think about it is I'm envious because this person is doing something that I want to be doing Mm -hmm. I'm envious because and then you stop then why the hell do I need to be envious I should be inspired, not envious, envious is the stupid way to go about the same stimuli, right? It's like, the stimulus is the same, but in one case it's nasty, mean, and weird, and in another case it's thinking about it from a more mature standpoint, and you go like, well, it's it's laying the carpet right in front of you to show you the path to do how it's done, if that's what you want, and I'm like, oh, in that case. you know. So definitely, that was fun, but uh, good times, good old UCLA, yes.
3: For those people you know since we're, we're talking about this during the, that clip for those people that don't want kids no problem right if you feel like you need to have kids to justify your your existence or to make yourself whole you know there's 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 a saying that I got you that I've been quoted for a few times and and I'm, I'm glad because I don't remember ever reading it or, or hearing anyone else ever say it but two halves don't make a whole right a whole two holes together make a a a complete relationship so if you yourself are are a half or incomplete and you're looking for someone else to complete you you're gonna be fucking miserable the majority of your life Mm. unless you luck out and find that one perfect person that's willing to put up with all your bullshit 24 7 the downside to that looking for that is that you're it's a one-way relationship no you're just punishing them that's not cool it's like if you're in a relationship uh, 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 whether it's as a father whether it's as a a spouse, whether it's as a teacher, whether it's as a worker, whatever the case is, your job, your goal, your inspiration, the thing that drives you should be to make things better daily. And if you're not doing that, you really need to have that come to Jesus talk with yourself.
2: Well, that's the person you're cheating more than anything. I mean, by doing the tiny things, you know, the... The, the inconsequential things are just making somebody's day a, a thousandth of a percent better, but times a lifetime of doing that starts to put things in the right direction. Right, It's examples being made where, God, is, is it deeds, not words, you know? Lead by example. There's nothing truer than that. And yep. something this, this society seems to be desperate for because mm, a big portion of our society, you know, works for that Friday paycheck so they can get a 24-pack and be ugly to their friends and cuss about football or soccer or whatever, and um, and that's it. And it's just so wrong. It's weird. And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I just uh, – a, a week or two ago, I was at a Starbucks, mm-hmm. and there's a woman in front of me and a, a gentleman between she and I, and he was obviously not wanting to be noticed by her mm-hmm. because – his child was on her soccer team the year before. And here it you oh, you didn't make it to tryouts. And the second I hear kids, sports, and tryouts, I'm just like, oh, man, what are you people doing? You know, because that was never what it was about when I was a kid. If we got beat, so what, at least we got out and played and we tried. And, you know, I, I just think we go so far into this competitive, you know, you must be a winner at all costs because nobody could possibly be a loser. But they lose track that the only person that seems interested in winning is the parent. And the kids are there like, oh, I don't want to play. And that's what was the guy who was the next in line. He's like, I didn't want to play with that woman again, you know. it's just so many ways that it's done wrong that to see it done well. Right.
3: It's just so nice to see and to hear.
2: Dude, lo- I, I agree with you 100%. No.
3: I think really, like, losing is the, was one of the best educational experiences. As long as you don't, like... You know, I think people, we have such a sadomasochistic culture, right? Like, you want to win and you want to rub the other person's face <clears> in it. Or you're so masochistic in the sense that, like, you lose and you just wallow in the grief of losing. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's so fucked up either way you look at it. Yeah. Really, if you, if you lose, own that shit. Okay, I lost. What do I learn from it? How can I improve processes? Once you start improving and growing from that, instead of losing, being like, "Oh, it's, it's so heartbreaking. It's so wrenching, and like it's so stressful," it should be inspiring. Okay, that uh, that team outplayed us. Wow, that's okay. So that's how we should do it. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good at the time when you're losing, but but shit, learn from that. That's why we have the playback. And whether that playback is mental or whether that playback is 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 audiovisual. We're, or whether that playback is one of those things that you just hear in terms of, of, of feedback from a coach or a parent, learn from it. Learn, learn and evolve. Yeah, but learn. learning, a lot of people are just too, too egotistical to learn.
0: Yeah. <sighs> That's a skill. That's one thing that in my mind, um, for me, martial arts, I'm sure there are many other ways to go about it, but is really healthy. is walking in and knowing that you're not supposed to know anything that somebody's just gonna show you and your job is just to um, really just be open to that and that's as easy as it gets right at least in theory it's easy it's like you are not supposed to know how to do shit that person is gonna show you open your eyes look at what they are doing replicate then start adding your elements all of that and it's liberating because I think for such a long time I've grown up in a way that I would always be, any authority figure automatically would bug me. Mm-hmm. And there was something good about that because it also made me independent and made me think for myself and made me not just be a dogma spouting little clone. So there's a very good side to that. And then there's the bad side of that you're, you stop being willing to learn from anybody. Because you just think, uh, uh, what does this person know? I know better. Blah 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 blah. It's like, well, if you if you are gonna do it by choice, if you are gonna want to be in that learning environment because you choose to, then really go in to learn. Otherwise, don't do it. It's right. that simple, you know. And it's uh, it is an art because I think is um, it requires to kind of prune the ego back a little and take it down a few notches so that you're not constantly just no but wait i it's like no just shut up and listen and that's the end of the story it's how we that's how it is dude
3: that's so spot on i think really we get so caught up with trying to be independent Mm -hmm. we get caught up in that word independent but you know until we put our egos in check enough to really learn what we confuse for independence is actually just randomness and that's yep. not productive randomness. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and really I, it's not even randomness. I take that that word back. It's just being uh, uh, contrary, right? Like you just want to be that contrary person. Like, well, they're saying this, well, I just want to do this instead. Well, What's your logic behind that? And how does that, and now not only what's your logic, but how does that logic fit into long
0: term progress? Yep. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, that's, you think you're escaping something, you're very much a slave to it because if all you're doing is reacting to somebody else's stimulus by saying no, then that person is really controlling you because all you can do is just do the opposite of what they tell you that's not being independent that's it's not being a real rebel either no it's not at all to me it's like you don't like something come up with something 10 times better yeah don't just be like no screw
2: you i'm not gonna do that i'm doesn't. contrarian because yeah. i'll show you see
0: yeah that doesn't go anywhere but uh, before we go into um, the many rabbit holes that are available right now the um, anything that you want to throw out there, beside you know the DVD you mentioned that's coming out, something yep. for people to check out that we'll put in the episode notes. Other things you want to throw out there about anything? Hmm. Gosh, you know, they're, they're, they're just
3: having the chance to reconnect with you, to vibe with you, to spend time and just chilling and to meet to meet you, Rich. This has been it's been dope. Uh, I really. Gosh, I, I I I'm kind of at a loss right now.
0: Next we'll just save it we'll, for next time. Uh, yeah, next time we'll have the Crown Royale in front of you to Absolutely. make things uh, Dig it. flow even more. Dig it. It's that good, huh? You know, can you believe I've never tried it? <sighs> you know, I... That bad, huh? Okay, sorry. I, I've, I've, had
3: a, wreck that I've had a fair good. amount of whiskey in, in a fair amount of different countries around the world. And I got to say, every time I come back and have Crown, it, it's just... oh Come back to Daddy. That good, huh? Like it, it's just—I really enjoy it. And of the different—and of the different blends, uh, Crown Royal Reserve and Crown XR, I just—they're—they're they're just outstanding. Those two, I just. I, uh. well,
2: well, everybody's uh, off to the liquor store now.
0: <laughs> yeah, based on his smile right now, just yeah. looking at this orgasmic bliss on his face, just <laughs> thinking about it, I think we'll have to remedy my situation at some point. There we go. <laughs> yes. Leave the Chinaman in his post-coital glow. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much, man. Can't add anything more beautiful than what you just said. So, (laughs) yes. There's no reason. Well,
2: what more can you add to that? I mean, somebody is brilliant as Mark. You would be afraid that they wouldn't be able to, you know, tone that brain down to hang out with some
0: brain-dead folks like us. What a cool cat. Fun conversation. Awesome. You know, everything good with the man. Yeah. Had a good time. Now, before we roll and close this episode, a couple of quick things. One, my those of you guys who enjoyed the James Weddle episode a few episodes ago... My mom put together a book that uh, she just self-published. So I'll put a link in the episode notes. There's a Kindle version. There's um, a paper version, whatever you guys, whether you want to actual book in your hands or you want to read it on Kindle. There, yeah, I'll put the links in the episode notes. Taoist lecture series. By the time this is out, it may be done. I think it's... I finished recording it. We finished the editing. So now it's up to Evan to work his internet magic, figure out a way for... To, so that you guys can buy it off the net it's, par- it's in the neighborhood of about 7 hours if I remember correctly it's probably going to go for around $9 if you want to buy the whole thing um, but you know, I'm announcing stuff now that I don't know what I'm announcing because we're going to have to figure it out in the next few days which is before the episode is released so hopefully i left some info in the episode notes regarding where you can get it those of you guys who have been interested in it it's finally done it should be out there. And if not, by the next episode, it definitely will be. Um, having said that, what else? Do we know? Oh, of course, there's affiliate sponsors. So, Chocolate, Audible.com. Whether you're in the market for audiobooks or Awesome Chocolate, you know where to find it. And most definitely, last but not least, those of you guys, and there are a consistent number of you guys who use our Amazon link, we thank you so much. That's just really sweet. Less money to corporations, more money to us. That's a plan that I'm always in favor of. Uh, donation time? Donation time. Donation time. Let's... Time for botchering. Indeed. Let the
3: botchering begin.
0: We have somebody who does not want name used, so we go for a red peel junkie out Ooh. of Mexico. We have Mike Malholland, I think I pronounced that, yay. Desmond Colton, who is uh, actually Desmond is our only, he holds the distinction of being our, the only person who's in a recurring donation, who has set up PayPal so that on the X day of the month, every single month is going to donate Wow! out of Australia. So Desmond, you're the man, we love you. Derek George, well, we love everyone else who donate, period, and we love everyone else who listen and doesn't hate us, so there, yeah, lots of love out here. <laughs> uh, love that does not translate into actually being able to pronounce your name, so here is one, Gennadi Genadi Friedman, sorry about that one. Gen- I'll go by, I don't know which one I go by, so take your pick, Genadi or Gennady or whatever it actually is, I appreciate. Kurt Weisman, David Rankin, Nick Varney, Travis Burcham, Christopher Irving out of New Zealand, uh, Ark of the Universe Music Incorporated out of Canada, Aaron Hanson, uh, Gerald Gibson, and um, both already pre ordered one of the new shirts and uh, plus gave us the donations, very sweet, out of the UK. And that wraps up our donation list for this time.
2: When the shirts finally make it out, be sure to send us or tweet us a picture, because uh, yeah. it's started to be a pretty awesome collection of folks looking mighty uh, suave in their uh, awesome new Drunken
0: Dallas t-shirts. And the, and the new new ones are just going to take it off the chart. That was a great one. I saw somebody with a, a feathered war bonnet on holding a shotgun with the Drunken Taoist shirt on. It seemed all fitting very, very well. Um, one quick thing I want to ask you guys if you can let me know that would be sweet regarding the forum that we have do you guys want it not so much because I haven't you know so far some people jump on it early on I don't see a whole lot of use out of it I have no personal attachment either way so I really I pose the question and please let me know if you want us to keep it please let us know and then we definitely will keep it if you are not really using it and then we should get rid of it then we'll get rid of it you just tell me and we'll do as you think it's best and it's absolutely fine for us either way. Just let us know either way because that would be that would be good or rather because most of you guys will not reply to this kind of thing. Um, if you want it, let us know. If, you, if we hear silence, we take it as kill it and we'll be glad to pull out a katana and get rid of the
2: phone. We'll meet you over at Reddit with everybody else.
0: Yes. Um
2: other things that we have to touch on just uh the Kiva donations continue to, to flow in we're approaching six grand in donations from you find folks that uh, feel like helping somebody else out in the world and that's getting pretty exciting so let's keep pushing it forward a little bit of time never hurts um i think there's oh well there's well over 200 loans just from uh listeners already so it continues to grow and uh you're helping out people you don't even
0: know beautiful can't possibly be a bad thing beautiful 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 speaking of helping out people who you didn't know daisy house thank you again i haven't really met you um the one surviving member or two i think two surviving members of the group but we thank you deeply for letting us use the awesome soundtrack and
2: here's some of it right now
0: I can show you the way. Oh, man. Isn't that
2: scary to think?
0: Nice. (laughs) So don't kill people. Do that instead.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This was great. Fucking awesome. Get back to work.